Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. One sentence, what would they be about? Uh, Pretty much all of my favorite books sound something like this. Man tries to catch fish. That's it, okay? (laughs) Man tries to catch fish. And that doesn't sound like a very interesting book. In fact, if I were to to hold up the Bible and say, well, it, it begins and then it ends, right? I mean, that's essentially what I could say about the Bible. And if I were to hand you three of my favorite books and said, hey, this one's about a guy that tries to catch a fish, and this one is, this one's about a guy that tries to catch a fish. And in this one, though, a man tries to catch a fish, right? Okay, that does not sound very interesting to you, nor does it show you how complex and how beautiful the book really is, right? Uh, one, fa- one, of, one of my favorite authors, um, when asked a very similar question to this, two sentences, just tell us what this story is about. And what did she say? She said, If I could tell you in two sentences, I wouldn't have written a whole book about it, okay? That's kind of where Jesus is taking us now with parables. We're going to see snapshots today, pictures that Jesus has painted for us of what the kingdom is like, what God's kingdom is like. And yet, if you read one of these, you think to yourself, that tells me nothing about the kingdom. If you read all four of them, you might even say, I'm not really following you, Mark. I I don't know exactly what you're trying to say. Jesus, I'm not really sure what you're trying to say. So just as maybe confusing the passages from Ezekiel that I read today were in the context of this Mark passage, so are parables. They're mysterious, and yet they also tell us something, right? Okay. So here's our big idea for today. Our big idea for the day. Are you listening? Really listening. Because Jesus' kingdom is growing. And you need to be listening to hear how that happens. Derek already read the passage for us, so we're just going to jump right in this morning. Um, And I'll make some notes of the text here just before we get going. Another thing, now, what Steve shared with us last week was kind of the key that fits to the door of parables, right? Uh, He explained to us everything about that parable, and Jesus even preached what that parable was. Um, So no offense, Steve, but you didn't have to do that much work. Jesus preached it for you. Uh, No, you did a good job. And, And in that parable, we see how we should read other parables. And like Steve said last week, in each parable, not everything equals something else in this world. There's usually a primary focus that the parable has. And all the parables that we're going to read this morning, all the pictures that we're going to see Jesus painting this morning are about kingdom. There's two other kinds of parables in the Gospels. The first of which, kingdom, as we already said. The second would be Uh, Parables of grace or parables of good news, okay? And then the third is parables of judgment. 
And we only get those towards the end of Jesus' ministry. And there's many reasons for that. Um, But already, thus far in Mark, we've heard one parable for sure. But we've also heard the beginnings of some other parables. Um, And what I mean by that is this. Uh, When Jesus calls Peter and he says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Right? It's a picture that he's painting from the Old Testament, from Jeremiah to say, you want to know what you're going to be like if you follow me? You're going to be just like that, that picture of what a fisherman does when he goes out to bring God's people back out of captivity and into God's blessing. Or we see the forgiving of the paralytic. Now, this is a, a real thing that happened, and yet in a certain way, Jesus is teaching Uh, by way of a story here. And that story is different than what the paralytic thinks, right? Paralytic gets brought to him. Heal me. Your sins are forgiven. What is Jesus saying here? The way that you view your story is not the the be-all and end-all of the way that your story is lived out. You need to be forgiven as well as need to be healed. Um, We see Jesus say that well people don't need a doctor, sick people do, right? So we're, we're getting all these little tastes of what it's going to be like. We see Jesus calling himself the bridegroom. We see this, this image of wine and old wineskins. Um, we see a house divided. We see Jesus asking the question, who are my mother and brothers, right? And these are all the beginnings of this kind of teaching that Jesus is going to be doing. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, as we saw in the last passage that Steve preached, right? uh, This parable, we kind of get the idea all of a sudden that Jesus isn't being as clear as he once was. I mean, before he said, follow me. And now he's saying, there's three kinds of dirt, (laughs) right? Uh, This is seemingly making things more complex. So is Jesus trying to make his teaching harder to understand? And this parable is a response to that. He says, no, you don't put a light under a basket. I'm not here to hide the light. I am the light, and I'm the light that is going to be put on full display. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Okay, so twice now, hear, hear it. What are we supposed to be hearing? Exactly what Jesus is saying. Okay, time out, Wade. (laughs) Time out. Are you trying to tell me that we're just supposed to hear it and understand it? We're going to get understanding, and we're going to see that coming up here. But Jesus is repeatedly telling people to hear. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to, those who, for to the one who has more, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even that will be taken away. All right. Now, uh, in the business world, 
okay? This is called the Matthew Principle, and that is essentially that if you have money, you make money. And if you don't have money, you get poor. That's not what Jesus is talking about, okay? <laughs> that might be the way that, that things sinfully play out in the world, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Why would he say, tell to his followers, listen, hear me, why? Because he wants them to understand. He's not hiding the good news under a basket. He is the light that is shining forth the good news. That you will be forgiven of your sins, right? That's the guarantee that we saw from John the Baptist to Jesus' first teaching. When God offers forgiveness through the Messiah, there is the guarantee of forgiveness and the guarantee of salvation. So Jesus is not trying to hide anything. He's also not saying that if you don't understand now, you're never going to understand. No. Um, if you remember the parable of the soils, some soils were ready to receive the seed. Some seeds got plucked up out of the soil before they could really do anything, right? Um, some seed just started flourishing. Okay, we get the idea. In our lives, Christian, you and I have a choice that we make. That choice is whether we're going to be, what kind of soil are we going to be? Are we going to be receptive? Now, we've talked about it before, actually, when we were going through our statement of faith, and we talked about the freeness of salvation, okay? We said this, we believe that the blessings of salvation are made free to all by the gospel, by the good news. It is the immediate duty of all to accept them with a warm and serious, repentant and obedient faith. Nothing prevents the salvation of the greatest sinner on earth except for their own fallenness and their choosing to reject the good news. And this rejection involves the sinner in a very serious condemnation. We do have a choice in how we're receiving the word. That goes not just for the very first time that you heard the good news, but that goes for every time that you hear the good news. Every time that you hear the good news. If we wanted a very simple way of looking at this to the one who has, more will be given. Um, I'll just I'll use my, myself as an example, okay? Um, when I, because I get to preach the word most days, and I think Steve uh, experienced this, right, the last couple of weeks, um, you learn a lot. Your God, the Holy Spirit, impresses on you truth from Scripture, and so much of it that it's hard to get it out in an effective way on a Sunday morning. It's actually difficult to try to teach everything that the text teaches. It's difficult to sometimes proclaim the good news in the midst of a difficult text. And yet, I find myself growing in that. Okay, what do I mean by this? Look, I, I have. I've been given an opportunity to learn and to grow in the Word. 
ladies, doing ladies' Bible study, when you get together and you've had time to prepare before, you've read the passage, maybe you've answered some questions, what you are doing is that you are becoming fertile ground for the seed to grow in. And when you allow that to happen, when you actually take the time to do that in your life, you're going to grow more. You're going to desire God's word more. And he is going to use his word more to mature you and to bring you to the place that he wants you to be. There's a lot more we could say there. I'm going to have to keep moving. I will say just one last thing. So verse 3 of chapter 4, verse 9, 13, 23, 24, these are all commands that we have to listen, right? And not just here, right? But to actually listen to what is going on. Okay, our next parable is the sower continued, kind of, okay? And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What's the sickle, right? It's one of these curved blades to cut down the wheat or whatever it is that's growing here. Um, so before we were talking about soils, okay? Here we're talking about a sower, right? Kind of. We're talking about the seed, really. Because what does the sower do? Now we know that farmers work hard. I don't want to pick on farmers, okay? But, but what does he do? He just goes out, he throws down the seed, and then he goes home and he has lunch, and then he takes a nap, and then he does his evening thing, and then he wakes up the next day and he drinks his coffee, and the next thing you know, whoo, there is fruit growing in front of him, right? There's grain growing in front of him. Um, uh, one, one theologian, Martin Luther, said uh, <laughs> when asked about uh, the Reformation and the fact that he had done so much to push forward uh, people actually reading and studying God's Word for themselves and it not being in the hands of just certain people, uh, this is what he said. I simply taught, preached, wrote God's Word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept, or, and here's, here's the kicker, while I slept or drank beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the Word so greatly weakened the papacy, that is the Catholic Church at that time, that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. What does he say? I did nothing, and the Word did everything. That's what we see happening here with this parable. So, as we learned from the soils, from the parable of the soil, what is the seed? It's God's word. And that's what's happening here too. Except for, it's also more than God's word. What, do, what does Jesus say? The kingdom of God is as if. So what is the seed? It's the kingdom of God. And now here's a really, this seems like a small detail, okay? If I have a seed... Of, of wheat, okay? If I have a kernel of wheat, I'm going to go plant it. I cannot 
with that one kernel, make a loaf of bread, right? Uh, I'm going to have to grow a bunch of wheat. I'm going to have to cut it all down. Then I'm going to have to grind it up. And then I'm going to have to grow some yeast. And then I'm going to have to make the bread, right? But here, even at the very beginning, the seed itself is like the kingdom. And that kingdom is just going to keep growing. How is it going to keep growing? God does it. God does it. Just like this seed grows without anyone's assistance, God is going to do it. Now, that doesn't mean we get to sit around and do nothing, right? That is our temptation, but we're not going to do that. This parable here is unique to Mark. This is, one of, this is the only parable in Mark that is only found in Mark. Okay, um, So this is a unique one. Another unique part about this parable is here at the very end. Because when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle. The, talking about the farmer, I guess, right? Maybe? Who is this person that is harvesting the grain? Well, who is the sower? Jesus right now is the sower, right? He's going out with the word and he's scattering it. And who's the harvester here? Jesus is the harvester. Now, anywhere else in scripture, literally, anywhere else in scripture, we see this thing about a sickle, okay? Cutting down grain and a harvest. Old Testament, New Testament. This is a sign of judgment, But what I love about this this parable in particular is, yeah, we can still count it as a sign of judgment, but for you and for me, this is not a judging phrase. This is not a phrase of like, everyone better get ready because judgment is coming. This is saying, no, the kingdom is growing and you're a part of it. And when the judgment comes, you are safe what I love about this parable and the mention of the sickle. Okay. I don't know if anyone else got uh, checkers plants, okay? Finnegan is very proud of his checkers plants, and this is his mustard seed, okay? This is his mustard seed. And I, I didn't say, I'm not saying that I wanted him to plant it for this sermon series, okay? What I will say, though, is that I was interested to see how tall the mustard could get. It's pretty tall, okay? Allegedly, it could go about three times that size too, all right? So that's a big plant. And that's what our next parable is about, the mustard seed. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable, what picture shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed. When, which sown into the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth, Okay, now once again, this is one of these passages where people um, have been actively a part of the church and they say, well, but a mustard seed isn't really the smallest seed. (gasps) Scripture is full of lies, okay? And then they walk away from the church. Uh, It's probably not a wise thing to do. What is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about garden plants, okay? And it's a picture. He's not making biological statements about the seed itself. Right? If we start going in that direction, we've missed the point of the parable. We've missed the point of the parable. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, 
When it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Okay, I'll be honest with you. This makes no sense to me. Okay, I I get it. Okay, I get it. No, no. It's going to be big. It's going to be big, right? How big is it going to be, though? I mean, we can talk about the size of something, and it means nothing to me, right? A big house to someone is maybe a small house to someone else. A large ice cream cone to you is a tiny one to me. So what are we talking about here? What are we talking about? What is the size that we're talking about? Okay, when we were going through those passages in Ezekiel, and we saw all the birds taking shelter under this, this, this cedar tree, we saw this cedar tree reaching up to the heavens. We see it in Psalm 91. We see it in Daniel chapter 4. We see it in Psalm 104. And that's just with trees, okay? That's just with birds making their nests and things. I'm not trying to show you a pattern of like fancy things that take place here. Uh, What I am trying to show you is that in each and every one of those passages, what are these trees doing? They are a blessing. They are a blessing. And the removal of these trees is a curse. So when these trees are reaching up to the heavens, we're we're actually talking about, well, like we were talking about in, in Ezekiel there. It's eden like language. What is this mustard? I mean, this little insignificant thing. This little word that's being thrown into the ground, that's being scattered about, it looks insignificant. And yet the reality is that this word is going to grow, and this word is going to reach up to the heavens. This word is growing a kingdom, and this kingdom is going to be big. Just like that, that, that cedar of Lebanon, right? Where... All nations take shade under it, right? Where all the animals of the earth are blessed by it. It's a small parable, but it has a lot of meaning. How big? How big is big? Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. After this I looked, and behold... A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's how big. That's how big this mustard seed is going to grow. It is going to provide comfort and blessing for all people of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue everywhere from all time. That's how big this mustard seed is going to grow. And then finally, we come to verses 33 and 34 again. And we get this weird dynamic where it seems like Jesus is hiding things. Okay, Uh, We've talked about the messianic secret. He wanted his 
He didn't want to just come right out and say it. It wasn't time yet. And yet, the Pharisees are teaming up with the government and they're saying, let's kill him now. Let's cut him down, right? The time is now, okay? Jesus is going to keep teaching. and He's going to keep uh, proclaiming the good news. He's going to keep proclaiming the kingdom. Even though, strangely enough, and we've talked about this before, what did everyone expect from the kingdom? Well, they expected immediate. They expected Jesus getting on a horse with a sword, leading an army, killing the Romans, freeing his people. That's not happening. Instead, it's a slow growth. It's a slow growth of seeds being planted into the ground. It says in verse 33, With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as... They were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Okay, so who are his disciples here? Are we just talking about the 12? We can't say for sure, but what we can say is right there, as they were able to hear it. Now you and me, there are certain things that I know that I don't want to hear, okay? When I hear crying in our house that is just of an awful sound and noise level, I know that something bad has happened, and then I hear footsteps in the house of people running, and then I hear people saying, Daddy! And I don't want to hear what comes next, okay? (laughs) I'm not ready to hear what comes next, because it probably means that um, whatever I'm doing... Man, I sound so goal-driven now. But I'm going to be interrupted from what I'm doing, from the work that I'm doing, and I'm going to have to comfort someone, and then I'm going to have to reprimand someone else, and then there's going to be discipline involved, and it's going to be a half an hour of actually having to act like a father. Oh, my goodness, okay? (laughs) I'm not ready to hear it. There are certain things that I'm not able to hear, right? You see that there's a phone call from someone that you don't usually get a phone call from. It's at a weird time of night or day, and you think to yourself, that's nothing but good news. In fact, I'm not ready to hear. That's nothing but bad news. I'm not ready to hear it. For each of us, we are at different places in our Christian life. And when we hear the good news preached to us, some of us are going to hear it with a lot of complexity and a lot of depth. And sometimes you're going to hear me up here talking and you're going to say, Wade, you are making absolutely no sense whatsoever. And yet there's probably someone that's going to understand what I'm saying. At least I really hope so. Okay? And there's going to be some times when I'm speaking so simply that... Most of you are going to say, why? This is baby stuff. This should be in the children's program right now, Wade. Why are we talking like this? Now, Jesus is proclaiming the good news to all who are able to hear it. And here's some good news for you and me. There are a lot of people that are able to hear it, though not everyone can hear it with the same depth and complexity that you hear it with. That means that we have to understand the good news, the gospel, well enough to share it with someone that can only hear so much. 
And then we wait for that word, that seed to be planted in them and to grow them to where they can hear it again and hear it with more meaning and more depth. So who are these disciples here? These are people that are following him. Is it the 12? Yes. Is it probably more than the 12? Probably yes. Right? And so here, who is able to hear? People that have already said, yeah. Yeah, I will follow you. Yeah, I do believe in this kingdom. Yeah, I do believe that despite your appearance and the fact that you don't even have a donkey to ride on, (laughs) you are a king. Verse 34 would lead us to believe that Jesus' disciples are getting it right. Good job, right? Just like we get it right all the time. No. (laughs) We're going to come back to that next week. But we see next week that even though Jesus' disciples can get it right, or they can hear, they have the ears to hear, and they're constantly hearing it, sometimes they still don't have a clue what's going on. Just like you and me. And yet we also see here that for those that are able to hear, more is being given. Right? For, for all of us that come here on a Sunday uh, to hear the word read and preached, what we're doing is we're saying, yes, no, we have the ears to hear. Give us more to hear. Let us understand more deeply what it is that we believe and what it is that Jesus has done for us. So some people are hardened to the word. Uh, There's soil that that seed is falling on and nothing is happening. And yet, Jesus, with the Pharisees following him, with the scribes following him, with people that don't necessarily believe anything about him or believe the good news that he is preaching, for those people that are still following him, why does Jesus keep saying, listen, listen, hear? He's saying that because just, just because the, the seed has fallen on hard ground now doesn't mean that that person is going to be hard ground forever. This is why we do not give up in our evangelism. This is why we do not just share the good news, and then never pray for the person. Because if that person didn't accept the seed, right? If, it, if they didn't hear the word rightly, nah, look, you are the farmer that has gone out and cast the seed, and now you're going out to have a cup of coffee, and you have no idea how that seed's growing. Our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in the fact that God the Holy Spirit is going to grow those seeds in people's lives. So when you hear, when you listen, and you respond correctly, uh, that is that you follow Jesus, when you decide that you're going to rely on Him, not rely on yourself, here's what's going to happen. First of all, you're going to be found in Christ. You will be found in Christ. Now, in the New Testament, this means lots of different things. But we could say this from Philippians chapter 3. And be found in Him, 
Not having a righteousness of my own, Paul speaking for himself here, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Or Ephesians chapter 1. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. When we respond correctly to this seed being planted in, the, in us, when we allow ourselves to keep hearing it more and keep allowing God to give us more to handle from His Word, more to grow us, we will find ourselves in Christ. In the future, you will also find that you will live in His kingdom. This kingdom that we're talking about that provides all the shelter you need, it provides the food that you need, it provides everything that you've ever needed. It's a salvation that belongs to God and to the Lamb, right? You will find yourself in Christ and you will one day find yourself in His kingdom. But you will also find that you will grow here and now. Here and now. In your walk with Jesus. Your faith will grow. Now, I would be um, mistaken if I were to stop there uh, because we're still missing something. We've talked a lot about kingdom. It's a, it's a present thing, right? We've talked about that. It's something that is here, in a sense, where Christ is present, where the King is present, His kingdom is present. Right? We are His people, the church. We should be, in a way, looking like the kingdom, and yet... We're not in the kingdom. Things are broken and in pieces. So what do we need to hear today? Look, when that sickle comes and cuts down the grain that is grown, what you need to hear is that you are safe from condemnation and judgment. At, at the judgment, the law of God will declare us condemned. Hear me now. Listen, right? We're sinners. <laughs> and God's law will be held up to us like a mirror. And we will see that we fall very short of that. But the good news, the gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And He didn't just agree to do that from eternity. He actually did it. He did it on the cross for free for you and for me. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, 
that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered. <laughs>